This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 57, What to Do with the Bible. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. And welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. Today, episode 57, What to Do with the Bible. Joining us today are Pastor Strobel and Matt. Pastor Steve is out on assignment, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that assignment when he returns. But we'll start with Pastor Strobel. Pastor Strobel, how are you today? Doing well. Good to be here. Amen. And Matt, welcome back. It's good to be back. And I was going to play your theme song, but uh, I'm going to save that. (laughs) All right. I guess I'll let it slide. For the Matt man. (laughs) That'll help keep the listeners in tune. (laughs) Tuned in, right? For the the theme song. That's it. And uh, so uh, what what have we been up to, Pastor Strobel? Well, um, last Sunday night, I had the opportunity to uh, go to Brother Giardino's church and preach at uh, Gospel Light Bible Baptist Church Amen. in Gates, New York. So uh, normally preach on Sunday night anyway at our church, this time just a different uh, location, but we had a real good service out there and um, the Lord's, you know, Lord's doing a good work out there. Um, i just tell you a little bit about what happened at that church. Brother Giardino was... Um, attending our church. He was driving in from Rochester, spending the weekends, uh, just getting his family some uh, spiritual recharging and seeking the Lord's face. When the Lord opened up the opportunity for him to fill the pulpit at um, the Gates Baptist Temple, which was called at the time, <clears throat> their pastor had passed away. Same time, he had another opportunity to fill the pulpit at a downtown church in Rochester, a city church. And uh, that church had... Um, just lost their pastor to death. He was a, a younger man and died suddenly after a Sunday morning service coming home, hmm. I guess on Sunday afternoon, had just passed away with a heart attack. <laughs> and um, long story short, uh, both of the churches wanted to call him uh, to be the pastor, wanted to vote on him. And so he wound up being voted in at uh, Gates Baptist Temple. And then they they had talked about it. Uh, he had talked about it with the people, and, and then he uh, went and talked with the other church. And what what it was was the church that was downtown had um, some people with some zeal and on fire for the Lord, but they didn't have a building. And the church at uh, Gates had a few people left, but uh, not a lot of life or a lot of zeal, but they had a building. Long story short, they merged the churches and uh, became eventually Gospel Light Bible Baptist Church, and the Lord's Amen. just been doing real good work there. Amen. So um, we we did that uh, since I, we spoke last week, and <laughs> this week um, our young people are getting ready to begin practice for the yearly Youth Ablaze program, which is coming up uh, in February, the Lord willing. So they're going to go, uh, the Lord willing, out to, in that same vicinity to Pastor Roscoe's church on Saturday, and uh, start uh, singing practice for the combined youth choir. So i uh, got some good things going on. And on top of all that, it's just good to be saved. Amen. Amen. 
I forgot about the Youth of Blaze. For some reason, I was thinking was thinking that summer, summer. But it's so. Is it is it February? It is. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I believe the dates this week are February. Um, well, that's January. I believe they're February twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth. Thursday, starting Thursday night, and all day Friday, and then uh, Saturday morning till early afternoon. Amen. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes too, so folks can folks can see. And if they get a chance, they should. And, and they're in the area, or not too far away. They should really make the effort to come out because it, it really is a, uh, a good time. It's yeah. great singing, good preaching, and it's just a good time of fellowship too. Amen. Matthew. Well, we've just been keeping busy. Uh, Saturday, this last Saturday, we went street preaching. Um, it was uh, CJ, a good friend of mine at uh, my church, and also uh, Dom and another gentleman from uh, Watertown uh, Church out there. And uh, just a really good time. It was great to be out there. Um, I, I don't know if anybody's keeping track of Syracuse, but they're doing really good. And so you're, in Syracuse. you're preaching out by the Dome? Yeah, we're preaching out by the dome. There's uh, there's only two really routes that people can walk up to get to the dome, and uh, we try and fill both of them if we can, if we have enough people. And uh, so, you know, there's 20, 20 25,000 people um, within the first couple hours of people trying to get up to the dome that we're able to preach to and hand out gospel tracts to. And uh, it was good. It was it, it, It's rough. It's a really rough crowd. Um, you know, I always say, and I've said it before on here, I think that you really see the hard attitude of this country uh, by street preaching and seeing what people's reactions are. Amen, amen. And, uh, you know, there are some people, of course, that say no thank you and things like that. But uh, you see a lot of people just totally uh, putting down Jesus Christ and the gospel and, and uh, really mocking uh, the Bible. And, uh, you know, it's just sad. And uh, we uh, we prayed for actually a few hours the night before. And uh, just, you know, the more you're out there, the more you get a burden. And, uh, you know, I pray for the Lord to give me more of a burden because I don't have enough of one. And, uh, you know, it's it was one of those things we got out there and one gentleman came up to me uh, with his daughter and they were acting kind of weird to begin with. But uh, his daughter was probably about 16 years old, maybe, and uh, kind of like uh skipping in front of me, you know, and mm-hmm. I had my, uh, scripture sign on and my sandwich sign and, and as, so she was, as usual, <laughs> as usual. And, <laughs> and so she was skipping in front of me and, you know, trying to make fun. And her dad was uh, walking right to the, the left of me while I was walking up the hill to get to the spot where we usually preach. And he's like, let me ask you one question. And, you know, I'm like, okay, sir, sure. What's, you know, what's, what's your question? And, uh, I can't remember hundred percent what the question was, but it had to do with, uh, Jesus Christ. And I said, you know what, you can have, uh, you can, uh, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be any works that you have to do. And, and so he said, well, listen, I'm a Catholic. I said, well, if you're trusting in that religion to save you, you're not saved. And, uh, he said, well, I take communion. Doesn't the Bible say to take communion? I said, it does, but it doesn't say to do it for salvation. And he said, well, doesn't it say to do it until the Lord comes, uh, to, to do this in remembrance of me? And I said, that's exactly right, sir, to do it in remembrance of me. And it was awesome. You should have saw his face when, <laughs> when he said it himself, do this in remembrance of me. And I just repeated it to him. I said, that's exactly it. That's what you just said is just to do it in remembrance of him. It's no salvation that's going to do. And he got mad after that. And he said, let me just ask you this last question right now. You believe I'm going to hell. Just tell me that right now. You believe I'm going to hell. And I said, sir, if you, if you are not trusting in Jesus Christ and his shed blood on that cross alone 
without any works, if you're believing in any other works to save you, like your communion, then yes, you're going to hell. And uh, he went off. He he uh, started screaming and yelling in my face. And uh, I tried to give him a gospel track. I said, "Sir, you know, it's it's you know, have a nice day." And uh, probably for the next three or four minutes, he was just uh, screaming. And uh, that's what you get. I mean, you know, you try and be as nice as you can, and you see what the gospel does to people. You know, they get they get convicted. And uh, you know, he saw his state. He saw the fallacy of his church that he believes in. And, uh, and his, his uh, daughter was screaming and yelling. And then another gentleman that was uh, selling tickets, um, was started screaming and yelling too at me. So, uh, you know, the first probably five minutes was rough going, but, uh, you know, I think that's when the Lord does the best, um, you know, and gets the gospel out even more is when you have opposition like that at first, because the devil knows that something's going to be, something's going to be uh, done there and he wants to get you off track. So, so it was, it was a blessing. And, you know, if anything I can say is just, you know, don't quit. Uh, even when opposition like that comes up, uh, it's, it's going to be worth it in the end when we get to, when we get to glory. Amen. I, and I, I just said, sandwich saying as usual from, uh, brother Eubanks book, 13 minutes over the Vatican. I love that book. How <laughs> <laughs> he talks about, what was he in a restaurant? He said, there I was wearing my sandwich sign as usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was saying that he put he put it in one restaurant. He put it to the side uh, where people could see it uh, from their booth. And uh, one of the people that owns the store or something or the... I think it was a patron. Yeah, or maybe a patron, yeah. yeah. Was like, you know, I love Jesus like the next person, but uh, listen, you can't have that sign in here. And he said, uh, he said, so what? He said, either the sign stays, you go or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it was good. Uh, that, just, that just cracks me up. Like he's 24 hours a day, he's wearing a sandwich sign. Yeah, he's definitely a witness, that's for sure. Hey, man, he's a blessing. We get we get a chance to spend time with him. Uh, did this past summer, he spent time in our area, and um, he's been to our church a number of times. But uh, he's supposed to come up back up next summer, but he's, he is a real blessing. Mm-hmm. Amen. Isn't he starting a Bible school out in in somewhere like Africa or something he's, like that? He's working on it. He's taking regular trips to Africa. He's he's gearing up for another trip coming up um, this next uh, fall. And he was interested in, he, he likes to take a young man with him that can reach and preach to these people. But he goes for about 50 days. So, you know, it's got to be somebody that can get away. Um, yeah. And so we had a couple of a couple of young men from our church that were contemplating it, but um, uh, he's, it's not going to work out. It doesn't look like, but uh, you can pray for him for that, that he can find the right guy to go in. Cause he gets to go into the high schools and uh, present uh, the gospel. And uh, he wants some, uh, a young man, yeah, wow. a young man to be able to, to reach the young people. Mm-hmm. And then at the nighttime, they gather a bunch of people together and they show um, uh, brother Jack chicks film, the light of the world. In uh, different places out in public. Mm-hmm. So, mm. in addition to just uh, passing out tracks everywhere. Amen. All right. Um, let's see, what have I been doing? Um, I've been working, going to church, <laughs> and uh, reading my Bible. Amen. Amen. And uh, I, we're still working on recording a. a, a gospel CD and my pastor his wife uh, sings and plays piano and so I happen to have uh, like this little studio here so that we record that's in the Bible from and and so we're using that to uh, 
to put together a CD. I've actually never recorded and put together a CD, so I'm learning a lot at the same time, but it's it's been a blessing. So as soon as we get that a little bit closer to completion, I've asked um, Sister Barbie if she could come on and maybe talk a little about her testimony and, and the CD and maybe play a song or two. Yeah, it'd be good. Hey man, he we got a chance to hear a little sneak preview of some of them before the show tonight, and uh, very good quality, good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Man, and then the other thing we wanted to talk about is I um, I have an article here for those of you that uh, do follow football, and we're going to talk a little bit about Tim Tebow, who um, is the quarterback for the Broncos, and this is actually from the Time Magazine. Their website, so it's not a it's not a Christian per se article. It says uh, Tim Tebow's 316 passing yards evokes biblical number, <laughs> and I'm just going to read a short excerpt here. This is from I don't see a date here. Actually, I guess I do. January 9th, 2012. Um. It says, it would have been more than enough for the polarizing Denver Broncos quarterback to simply lead his underdog team to victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday in the AFC wildcard game. And Tim Tebow did, thanks to his 80-yard touchdown pass on the first play of overtime that left the Steelers and the watching world simply stunned. (laughs) But then the facts and figures emerged, and the internet verily exploded. Tebow threw for exactly 300 and 16 yards in the 29-23 upset win, presenting an eerie illusion to the Bible's John 3.16 passage, whose number Tebow famously wore in the black under his eyes when he led the Florida Gators to victory in the 2000 collegiate-named national championship game. What's more, that event took place exactly three years ago to the day, and that wasn't it for the coincidences. Coincidences. Tebow set an NFL playoff record with, you guessed it, 31.6 yards for completion. (laughs) And the TV rating on CBS peaked between 8 to 8.15 p.m. with a rating of, say it ain't so, 31.6. That's good. There you go. So, obviously the reference to to John (laughs) 3.16. Yep, just go ahead and explain that coincidence. (laughs) <laughs> so that's all it is just a coincidence come on now <laughs> there's no way you could you could make that happen either amen you know i was telling you i was preaching after he got done preaching at brother giardino's he um invited me and uh my son and, and his son another guy from the church uh out to get a bite to eat and so me and him and my son were just uh, getting into the uh restaurant a little pizza place there and um they had the game on there, and and I was surprised it was still going on. They were just starting overtime, so next thing I know, I look over and I see the play, and uh, the guy's running eighty yards in there. Game over, lights out. Denver wins. <laughs> and you see a lot too. I mean, a lot of Christians at our church are rooting for the Broncos now, just because, you know, of, of course I'm rooting for them now because my team, the Buffalo Bills, are out. But, but uh, I mean, now you have this. You've been Christian. rooting for them for a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's great though to see. I mean, a Christian that uh, is standing up. You know, a lot of times you hear uh, just sports players. They say, you know, I want to give all the glory to God. And they, they leave it at that. And 
And uh, what I think is amazing about Tim Tebow is he takes it that step further that you should. And he says, I just want to give all the honor and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I Amen. mean, uh, you know, just because you say, I want to give honor to God, that doesn't mean anything. There's, you know, people have all different kinds of gods, but but the one true God, of course, is Jesus Christ. It can save your soul. And, and uh, I just think that's really neat, really neat that he does that. Amen. Another thing that's good about uh, Tim Tebow is he's got a, got a good testimony. It's not somebody that just talks about the Lord and then uh, his life doesn't back it up. Um, and he grew up in a Christian home. His parents were Baptist missionaries, and um, he he's kept the faith. Uh, I've also been able to see a couple, um, one or two different uh, excerpts of him, I believe two different ones at two different places of him preaching at uh, a jail uh, where he'll give his testimony and invite the people to, uh, to get saved. Mm. And you can find those, those were YouTube clips, I believe. So uh, his testimony rings true. And I tell you, uh, it wouldn't hurt for uh, those of us that are hearing and getting a blessing from this, uh, just to pray for him and the Lord will hold him up Amen. And, um, and, and things will go well. You know, I was thinking about this uh, verse in regard to this, and I've I've taught it when I've gone through, or just at different times gone through Proverbs. But um, it says in Proverbs eighteen sixteen, a man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. When you have a talent and ability, um, be it sports like he does, uh, or even musical ability or something else, uh, that gift tends to make room for you, and then bring you before great men. And as a child of God, when that happens. Yeah, you you can look to uh, what uh, Tim Tebow is doing as a great example mm-hmm. to to take the opportunity to point the people to the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and um, just give a testimony for Him. Amen. I read in the news too that um, I don't remember which game it was, but I guess when he was maybe it was that did you say it was the Florida Gators game um, when he had that on his uh, the three John three sixteen on his uh, under his eyes there they uh, they said that it that. Uh, that same day when people saw that 90 million people looked up the verse John 3:16 and uh that's that's pretty amazing that uh you can have that much um you know power to be able to uh put something like that on your face and then for people to want to look in the bible and and when i was thinking about uh, i've done a study before about it uh, just numbers you know just the odds of of you know those those numbers coming about but you know we always think about John 3:16 as uh, the great, you know, passage right here it says, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And every time we think about three sixteen, we think about that verse. But there's a lot of other good three sixteen verses. I mean, you could just take your Bible and run uh, just uh, chapter three verse sixteen and look through every book of the Bible. Uh, if you look at um, 1 John 3.16, the Bible says, Hereby, hereby uh, perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And 1, John, uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. And uh, just, uh, I mean, you could run so many verses on 3.16 and, and uh, you know, how many great verses there are with that number. Amen. 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 And uh, just to follow that up a little bit, one of the ladies from our church was mentioning to me, I mentioned this to our folks on Wednesday night, just those facts that um, uh, Brother Eric just mentioned. And she was telling me after the service that on the news on Sunday night, one of our local news broadcasts, they actually had the verse, the lady that was doing the news actually had John 3.16 <laughs> 
plastered there on the screen Amen. and um, and telling people about the phenomena. Amen. <laughs> That's good. So, amen. It's the the word of the Lord is not bound. Amen. Yeah. Turn it loose. That's good. All right. Well, we don't have Brother Steve here tonight to chime in. And uh, Matt, do you want to say anything else uh, related to Brother Steve? Well, I actually do have good news about that. Um, he was talking before uh, on the podcast about maybe being able to go over to uh, Frank's house um, to be able to go and disciple. And uh, the reason why he's not here tonight is because he's over there. Uh, and I guess he's uh, uh, discipling him a little bit over there at Frank's house. But uh, also Frank's girlfriend is there. And uh, he just, uh, I guess, texted my wife and let uh, her know that uh, Frank's girlfriend just got saved. Amen. So uh, her name is Jill. So what what a blessing that is. And uh, uh, so we just got to, you know, pray for Jill and, and uh, just, but, you know, we know that, uh, you know, there's a host in heaven rejoicing over one sinner that repenteth. So Amen. praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, the name of our podcast and the name of our uh our show is That's in the Bible. But Pastor Strobel is bringing us an episode tonight entitled What to Do with the Bible. And uh, Pastor Strobel, are you ready? Okay. All right, here we go. All right. Um, tonight, as we deal with the subject, what to do with the Bible, let me just say at the beginning, this will not be an exhaustive study. Um, we could we can go a lot farther than we go uh, even with it tonight. But I'm going to give you uh, a number of things that you can do with the Bible and that you should do with the Bible. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, of course, one of the greatest ways to begin growing in grace or to continue growing in grace is with the Bible itself. Um, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, the Apostle Paul said, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. The word of his grace, growing in grace, um, can be done in conjunction with our our interaction with the word of God. And that Bible is able to build you up. It's able to edify you and strengthen you. It's well capable of uh, helping you uh, to become a strong Christian. So I'm going to give you several things tonight. Uh, that you can and that you should do with the Bible. And the first thing is um, a little bit of an intangible one, and and yet it's uh, stated in the Scriptures, and that is uh, to desire it. The first thing you ought to do with the Bible is you ought to desire it. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2 tells us that as newborn babes, we are to desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. And uh, we're to desire God's Word. And if you're saved, it is natural for you to desire the Word of God. Once you get saved, your body becomes a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God comes inside of you. Uh, he inspired the Word of God. He works and bears witness to the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit inside the Christian yearns and longs to feed on the Bible. Uh, if you don't have the desire to feed on the Word of God, then you are either not saved or you have something interfering with your natural appetite for the Scriptures. <clears throat> because being saved, you will have a natural appetite for the Scriptures with the Spirit of God inside of you. The Bible compares and likens itself in a number of places to uh, honey. Uh, in Psalm 19, the it's Bible said to be sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Um, in Psalm 119, verse 103, 
the psalmist would talk about, he'd say, how sweet are thy words under my taste, yea, uh, under my mouth, sweeter than, yea, sweeter than honey to my taste. I may have had those uh, backwards, but it uh, talks about it being sweet, sweeter than honey. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and Revelation 10, verses 9 through 11, both liken the word of God to honey. A Christian, then, with his inborn desire for the word of God, uh, has a natural spiritual sweet tooth, if you will. Uh, he's got that desire for the, the sweetness of the Word of God. Again, if this natural desire is not there, then something's wrong. Uh, if he's a Christian, then there's something that's out of whack. Um, if he's not saved, well, then that's the root of the problem in itself. But um, let's, let's just say here you are uh, in either case. You, you, you don't have a desire for the Word of God. Uh, whether you're saved, whether you're not saved. Um, and, and especially, let me talk to you who are, are Christians right now. But although this will apply to either one of them, uh, I want to take you to the book of Proverbs where we might get to the root of the problem. And in Proverbs 27 and verse number 7, the Bible says that the full soul loatheth in honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Right? The full soul loatheth in honeycomb. That is, he, he hates it. He, he doesn't desire it. It's repulsive to him. He, he loathes it. What's his problem? He's full. Uh, sometimes a, a person might find themselves so full with sin or so full with the things of the world that they don't even have room for the Bible. And then instead of desiring it, they don't even want to deal with it. A Christian can get like this. Uh, it's kind of like a child who spoils his appetite for a nutritious meal, you know, or the main course of supper by eating a whole bunch of junk food or eating dessert before his main course. And um, there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians that are so filled with uh, spiritual junk food that um, when it comes to the Bible, they don't have a desire for it. And the solution to that for you as a child of God is to cut out the junk and, and at least cut down on it and then force yourself to partake of the Word of God until it becomes sweet to you once again and until your spiritual desire awakens. I trust if you're saved that the Word of God was sweet to you at one time. One of the natural results of being saved is the Christian finds the Bible sweet. Uh, that which before was maybe a dead book to him now becomes alive. That which before was um, unpalatable and, and tasteless now becomes sweet and desirable. And again, if it's not like that right now for you, then uh, you need to discipline yourself and make yourself get in there, cutting down on the junk, partake of the Word of God until it once again becomes sweet to you uh, like it ought. You, you need to desire the Word of God. As if you're saved, there is a natural desire. If uh, you don't find it there, I'm not saying that you're automatically lost. I'm saying that uh, you need to awaken that desire again. Uh, so what do you do with the Bible? Number one, desire it. Number two, and we're going to spend a little bit uh, more time here. Uh, second thing you ought to do with the Bible, and that is read it. Read it. Isaiah 34, verse 16 says, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Isaiah makes it plain and clear that you should be reading the Scriptures. In 1 Timothy 4, and verse 13, Paul told Timothy, Till I come, give attendance to reading. You know, reading the Bible, it'll help you in so many ways. Um, it helps you to get to know God. It helps you to know what God wants you to do. Um, another thing it does, it helps you to stay spiritually clean. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 talks about the washing of water with the Word. 
Uh, people have all different kinds of excuses for reading the Bible, and that'd probably make a message in itself. But um, sometimes people, uh, they use this excuse for not reading the Bible as much as they should. They'll say, well, when I read it, I just don't get anything out of it. And I want to say, if you'll stick with it, you eventually will get something out of it. But uh, what I really want to emphasize at this moment is this. Even if you don't get anything out of it by virtue of um, some new revelation or something that's tantalizing or something that comes alive to you when you read it, there are benefits going on that you might not even be aware of. First of all, uh, you're getting clean by interacting with the Word of God, the water of the Word of God. You know, there's a lot of kids who um, they don't seem to, to desire taking a bath or enjoy it. And they might even rebel against her. And they might, when they're all, when they're done, they might even think, "Well, I didn't even get anything out of that." But you know what happens when they come out of that water? They're clean. And if you'll spend time in the Word of God, you'll get clean. You'll get clean. Uh, the Word of the Lord is is pure. The words of the Lord are pure words, and it will help to purify you. Another thing it does is it, it empowers your inner man and gives you strength to do right for just reading the Bible wherever you read it. Even if you're reading um, um, a an Old Testament passage that seems to be um, dry, and there are some places where, where you might find them dry at times. As you get into the putting together the tabernacle, it might not be real exciting to you. As you get into all the Levitical laws and book of Leviticus, that might not be too exciting to you. As you get in the midst of a long genealogy, like the first uh, uh, several chapters of the book of uh, First Chronicles, that might not be real exciting to you. You get into the details of the temple in Ezekiel, uh, the later chapters in the 40s, you might not find that real exciting. Um, but you know what will happen when you're reading those things? It'll be like you're being plugged into a spiritual battery charger. And it doesn't matter to me for that for that truth right there. It doesn't matter to me where I'm reading. I could be reading in any one of those places, uh, or I could be reading in some place real exciting. But but wherever I'm at, be it um, uh, a descriptive technical part, uh, be it a genealogy, uh, I rejoice because even if it doesn't seem like I'm drawing any truth out of it, I know that my spiritual man on the inner inside is getting charged up, and I'm getting strengthened to do uh, right and to do the will of God and the work of God. Now, as a child of God, uh, you should read your Bible, and you should read your Bible every day. There's a little Sunday school kid song that says, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Then it says, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And it has motions that go with it. And occasionally when I'm preaching in different places, I'll, I'll sing that song out as I'm preaching about reading your Bible. And I'll, I'll, I'll sing it and I'll act it out with emotions. And we'll get down, start on the ground, and you read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, 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 and you grow, 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 and, you, and you're getting up higher and growing and reaching toward the sky. And then you neglect it and you shrink and get all the way down till you're just flat on the ground, you know. And you shrink, and I'll say at that point, I say, you know what? That's what a lot of you Christians look like. You, you done shrunk. You're down there, got no strength, laying flat on the floor. And uh, if you want to, if you want to grow, if you want to be strengthened, read your Bible, read it, and pray every day. Um, I discovered, um, and, and of course, I, when I say discovered, I don't mean that nobody in the world knew about it until I until I found this, but it was in there all along in the Bible, but, but it was a discovery to me um, some years ago in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, 
God's given instructions to uh, the future kings of Israel, for Israel didn't have a king at that time in the book of Deuteronomy. God was their king. They had what you would call a theocracy. God ruled over them. Later on, the kingdom would become a monarchy, first of all with King Saul and followed by David and uh, many kings afterwards. But the Lord has given instruction to the children of Israel about how to behave or how the kings should behave when they finally would get a king. And it said in Deuteronomy 17, verse 18, and it shall be when he, that's the king to come, and it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and uh, to, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. He was to read in that Bible, it said, all the days of his life. This is one of the greatest verses, I think, that's locked in the Scriptures to show us that we really ought to read our Bible every day. You say, Pastor Strobel, that's just referring to the Old Testament kings. But you know what? In Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it tells us that those of us that have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ— have been made kings and priests unto God and our Father, and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in that verse. Uh, Revelation 1, 6, and then preceded by 1, 5, about being washed in his blood. We who are saved are made kings unto the Father. We're made kings to God. And as a king, we could learn a lesson from the Old Testament king who was told that he ought to read in that Bible all the days of his life. Uh, I, I believe this. I believe that Bible reading is, is an essential part of the Christian's daily spiritual diet. <laughs> you ought to read it every day. Somebody said, matter of fact, I think I read this years ago in um, one of the uh, Our Daily Breads, which was a lot better before they started using a different version other than King James. <laughs> but they had these little sayings at the bottom. And one of the little sayings was this about the Bible. It says, the Bible is not cake for special occasions. It's bread for everyday consumption. And, and so it is. The Bible is your bread that you ought to partake of every single day. You know, if a person doesn't eat for days at a time, uh, he goes days and days and days without eating, you know what's going to happen? He's going to become physically weak and um, not be able to get done the things that he needs to get done in life. He'll become faint. And when Christians don't desire the sincere milk of the Word of God and feed thereon, when they don't partake of, uh, if you will, the bread of life, uh, the written Word of God in that sense, when they don't partake of that, they become spiritually weak. Uh, somebody said, seven days without prayer makes one week. And likewise, it's true that seven days without the Bible makes one week, whether you spell it W-E-E-K or W-E-A-K. Uh, that's the truth of the matter. So you want to feed on your Bible so you'll have strength to do the things that you're supposed to do. Again, God said it, seek you out of the book of the Lord and read. The king was to read therein all the days of his life. And you're made a king to God if you're saved, and you ought to read in that Bible all the days of your life. Now, I think before you die, if you've not done this yet, before you die, you ought to make it a point and a goal to read the Bible through completely, from cover to cover, 
from Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 uh, to Revelation chapter 22. And uh, and the end of that thing, which is verse number, I'm going to double check it here, but verse number 21, which is what I was going to say, but uh, I want to be sure I got it right. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation chapter 22, verse number 21, you ought to read every word. Did you know the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God? One of the problems with a lot of uh, cults is um, they, they'll spend time studying a few select portions of the scriptures, and then they'll go over and over and over that those scriptures. But the people will never go home and read their Bible through for themselves. And so they'll just get um, hung up on these uh, few portions of scripture, and they'll build their whole doctrine around that, never finding the context of those scriptures by reading it in its context, by reading the Bible through, and uh, never discovering other uh, verses from the Bible that uh, might uh, go against how uh, they have interpreted or uh, that, that those other scriptures, are, or it might reveal the proper interpretation of it by reading the scriptures fully and in their context. <clears throat> so uh, I want to encourage you, if you've not yet done it, uh, and I want to challenge you, make it a goal to read your Bible through. Um, after all, God is going to hold us accountable for all of the material in the Bible. Did you know the Bible's going to be uh, at the judgment? The Bible's going to be um, what God judges us by. Jesus said, the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. You know, at uh, the Great White Throne Judgment, the Bible says the books are open. And uh, another book is open, which is a book of life. I'll guarantee you the books are going to be open are going to be the 66 books of this Bible. And at the judgment, God's going to throw the book at you, the righteous judge, as the saying goes, you know. And uh, you're going to be responsible. When I preach out in the street uh, in our town, one of the things that I'll say is um, uh, the Bible contains the material for which you're going to be responsible for at your final exam. And so people ought to read this thing. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, with a little dedication— with just a little dedication, you can easily read through the Bible in a year's time. Um, I, I think it's a, I, I think it's a very reasonable goal for every Christian, most every Christian, and there may be some exceptions, but uh, but most of us can read, and and most of us have sight where we can see, and so reading the Bible through a minimum of once a year is a very reasonable goal for most every Christian. And, and I want to challenge you to, to try to do that at least once a year. Make it a practice, even if you've already read the Bible through. Don't make the mistake of thinking you don't need to go through it again. I mean, uh, the more you read the Bible, the more you're going to find in the Bible. God has taken infinity, his infinite truth, and he has collapsed it into a finite space within the covers of the Word of God, and his eternal truth is collapsed into a book that we can hold in his hands. There's no way we're going to master this book. And you want to just keep reading it and reading it and reading it so that you can be recharged and recharged and recharged. And you can keep learning and discovering things about the Lord and uh, his truth until the day that you die. Now, there's a number of ways to read the Bible through. Uh, some people prefer one way over another. But uh, I want to say that there is no bad way to read the Bible through. Find what works best for you and, and do it. When I first began to read uh, the Bible, I, uh, I started in the New Testament. I was given a Bible reading checklist, which had a corresponding box for each chapter in each book of the Bible. And this allowed me to jump around and, and allowed me to keep track of what I had already read. So what I would do is when I finished reading a particular chapter, um, you know, or I'd read several chapters at a time, and then I'd 
mark off the boxes of those chapters that I read. It didn't take long to see a bunch of boxes filled in. And, and for a new Christian and somebody that was, you know, having a little bit of trouble reading when I say that, because my, you know, I was getting the world out of my head and a bunch of other things. But, um, what that did for me when I began to see those boxes fill in, it provided me with an unexpected source of encouragement because I could look and, and visually see how far I'd come in my reading. And it was encouraging to me. And the way I did it at the first time was I, I started, as I said, in the New Testament, and then I'd read a gospel. And after I read like Matthew, then I'd go and I'd read some of uh, the epistles, the smaller epistles. And then I'd go back after reading some of those epistles and I'd uh, pick up the next gospel and then I'd follow that with more epistles. And I did this um, till I finished the gospels and then I went to the book of Acts. And having finished uh, the gospels, the book of Acts and the epistles, um, then, I, then I went to Revelation. I was saving Revelation for last because I was excited to read it. And saving it for last motivated me to keep on reading through the rest of the New Testament. Um, kind of like, you know, saving dessert motivates you to, to eat your food. If, if you'll just wait and discipline, you know, Christian life, just a lot about discipline, isn't it? Just a lot about discipline. And, um, if you're a child of God, you are, you're to be a disciple. A disciple is one who disciplines himself to do the things that the Lord has told him he's supposed to do. Now, um, I have located and uh, and modify just a little bit a a printable Bible reading checklist that you can can use that you can download and we'll have a uh, a link to that file or we'll have that file on the website. Additionally, um, the Beams Ministry has a very nice full colored checklist that uh, you can get through them, and we'll also have a link where you can link to them and find out how you can contact them for more information. Where you can get this uh, full colored checklist um, on glossy paper, very nice. But uh, on the Beams website, you can also click on the pictures of their checklist to bring up a PDF file where you can print out those, the, the checklists. And there'll be two pictures, one with the, the old, you know, most of the Old Testament and the second one with the rest of the Old Testament and also the New Testament. You can click on those, bring them up a PDF file, and you can print them out yourself. Now, um, I've also uh, made uh, files for that where you can, you can either click and go to the website or you can download those files. Uh, we'll have those for you on the website here on our website. Um, that's in the Bible.com. Um, for the last several years at our church, we've been ordering and passing out at the beginning of the year, uh, Bible reading calendars. And I learned about this Bible reading calendar at a pastor school that brother Steve and I attended in Toledo, Ohio, a pastor from Idaho, pastor Rick DeMichael was, uh, recommending it. And we looked it up and, and got it in this Bible reading calendar. They have a nice scripture for each month. Uh, and it's King James quoted. Uh, and they also have suggested Bible readings for each day. And they have a system. If you'll follow their, their Bible readings for each day, it'll get the reader through the old Testament once in, in a year's time, the old Testament once the new Testament twice, the book of Psalms twice and the book of Proverbs 12 times. And uh, when we first started passing these out, especially, I saw some people get excited uh, to read their Bible and follow it, and it worked well for them. And we will also enclose a link to uh, their website, uh, mastersline.com, if anybody's interested in trying to obtain one of those calendars. Now, down through the years, personally, my preferred method of Bible reading has come to be to read it straight through in the order that uh, God has given it and the way it's laid out and from Genesis through to Revelation. Uh, as I said before, if you have a different way you like to do it, uh, have at it. You know, Just read it. That's the important thing. 
whatever order you read the Bible in, if you want to get through it in a year, uh, you can figure how much you'll need to read by doing some simple calculations. Uh, you can figure how many pages you need to read a day by determining how many pages are in your Bible. And that may be that may take a little work itself, but uh, not not a terrible amount. But you might not be able to look at the end of your Bible and find out how many pages there are, because if you have one like mine, uh, my reading Bible, it's a Cambridge Bible, and my reading Bible begins the numbering system over when it gets to the New Testament. So my Old Testament has uh, 1,193 pages, and my New Testament uh, has 363 pages of text. Now, if I went to the book of Revelation, it'd say 365 on the last page, but uh, it doesn't start till page 3, so I subtract pages 1 and 2 for a total of 363 in the New Testament. You might have to do some similar calculations. That's why I'm telling you about it. But uh, combining these, I have uh, 1,556 pages in my Bible. And then I take that number and divide it by 365, and that averages out to a little over four and a quarter pages a day. Now, you can simplify this by making it four and a half, uh, or just round it off to five, or a person, if they wanted to read the Bible through, and if that was what their average came out to, they could also read four pages a day and then pick one day of the week to read six pages. Or they could do four pages a day, and then they could pick two days a week to read five pages. And uh, a little thought uh, into this, and, and you can figure it out. But maybe that's like mind-boggling to you. Well, let me just uh, invite you, if you are, are trying to figure out how many pages a day to read, and you know you got this complicated number and you don't know exactly what to do. It doesn't come out an even number. Well, why don't you write in to us here at that's in the Bible.com or, or call. Um, Brother Eric will give the numbers and the uh, email and, and all that good stuff uh, at the end of the program and tell us what your uh, figures are there. And, and I'll be glad to calculate it and, and give you a recommendation. Now, if you want to read the Bible through more than once a year, say you want to read through twice, then figure out how many pages a day you need to read and then double that amount of pages. Um, or or double the amount of your total pages at the beginning and divide that by uh, 365. Now, it's also been my practice uh, over the last several years to read the Bible through an uneven amount of times during the year. Um, I have prayerfully decided, uh, and uh, I, I prayerfully decided some years ago on an adequate and, and comfortably sustainable amount of pages a day to read. In other words, one that's not a, it's not a pushover and one that's not overwhelming and impossible to keep up with. And uh, this allows me to read the Bible through my desired amount of times during the year and then read a little bit more than that. And one of the things I like about this system personally, and I'm just throwing this out because this might be good for somebody, um, one of the things I like about it personally is I don't start in the same place every year. So on January 1st, I'm not starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I'll write down in the back of my Bible on one of the blank pages where I'm starting, and I'll write down, um, you know, uh, January 1st or 1-1 and then the, the, the year and where I've started reading on that year. Now, for some people, maybe they like reading the same part of the Bible at the same time each year, and maybe they find that comforting, and they like that, and I reiterate, that's, perf or reiterate. <laughs> uh, that's perfectly okay. So whatever works for you, but maybe, maybe somebody that might help you to keep your interest, uh, and this way I'm not reading, again, the same places the same time every year. It provides me with a little bit of variety, and, and I kind of like that. Now, if for some reason you yourself aren't able to read, let me encourage you, uh, the Bible is available in audio recording so that you can listen to it. Uh, 
Uh, you can find the King James Bible on tape, on CD. You can find it on DVD, and you can find it online. You can also find it in Braille uh, for um, uh, people that are blind. Uh, albeit it's not going to come bound in one book, one volume of Braille. It'll take several volumes because of the nature of uh, the, the printing of Braille. It, it just takes up a lot more space. So uh, one last thought before we go on to the next thing to do with the Bible, and that's Acts chapter 17. And it says, beginning in verse number 10, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These and that's speaking of the Bereans in verse 10. Now, verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Here, the Bereans were commended for searching the scriptures daily. And I challenge you to do that as well. Read your Bible. Uh, read it every day. All right, the third thing that I want to say that you ought to do with the Bible is uh, study it. You ought to study it. There's, and you ought to know there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Some people say, well, I have a hard time reading the Bible because I, I find myself wanting to go off and I, I read something. I want to go here and I want to be, you know, run references and study and I just never get through my Bible reading. Well, I'm going to tell you that you ought to, you ought to do that. You ought to study the Bible. But uh, I've also told you ought to read it. And the Bible tells you to do those things. Guess what? That's how I figured it out. <laughs> The Bible told me to do it. It told me to read it. it told me to study it. So don't use, and don't don't use studying the Bible as an excuse for not reading the Bible. Discipline yourself. Have a Bible reading time, and you can make notes and you can underline things and highlight things as you read your Bible, and then go back and study them. But make sure you get it get it done. Do both of them. God commands us to do both. Studying the Bible involves comparing Scripture with Scripture as you look up different verses pertaining to a subject or passage. And so studying involves going into more detail and more depth uh, than just reading, but both are necessary. Studying is uh, what we do here on uh, That's in the Bible, and we encourage you to follow along and look these things up in your Bible. Studying is uh, done in, in, in a proper church Sunday school, they will have Bible study. In a Wednesday night church Bible study or a midweek Bible study uh, at a, at a Bible-believing church, that's what will be done. They'll study the scriptures. And this is where we look into a verse or we look into a subject or a book of the Bible in greater depth. In studying, we take more time to understand the things that we read. Reading acquaints us with the material, and it gives us a measure of understanding and helps us to give, get a good overview and become familiar with the, the building blocks of, of the Scriptures. And studying, us, studying it helps us to put those blocks together and, and make sense of what we're reading and fully grasp and understand the, the Scriptures as the Lord has um, inspired and revealed them. In Bible study, we compare Scripture with Scripture. Isaiah 28 uh, says this in verses 9 and 10. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And that's how we study the scriptures. We compare scripture with scripture. Line, a line of scripture here upon a line of scripture there. Here a little, there a little. Uh, start starting off in, uh, say, Second Peter three verse eighteen, like we did tonight, uh, looking at scriptures in different places. Now in Isaiah chapter twenty-eight. Now let me let me before I leave this subject, give you three what I think are the three most important tools in Bible study, and uh, these are for English speaking people. If you're an English speaking Bible student, the three most important tools are these: number one, a King James Bible. 
Uh, if you want to study the Bible, get a King James. Uh, people say, well, uh, King James is hard to understand. Well, we've dealt with that um, uh, in many other podcasts, and you can look those up. But um, the Bible, God said that his words are plain to him that understandeth. And the truth of the matter is, uh, these uh, newer versions, they alter it, and while, making it, while claiming to make it easier to understand, oftentimes they obscure it. There's a place in the book of Job where it says, is there any taste in the white of an egg? Some of those new versions will say something like this. Um, is there any taste in the slime of the purslane? That makes it a lot easier to understand, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, uh, don't worry when people tell you and try to tell you the other versions are easier to understand. God, through his Holy Spirit, can teach you the words of the King James. Somebody says, oh, the these and the thous are too hard for me. All right, let me help you out with that. The these and the thous. And I can tell you what the these and the thous mean in less than five seconds. They mean you, Y-O-U. When you see the word thee, it means Y-O-U. When you see the word thou, it means Y-O-U. Um, that's how the Lord put it in there. Leave it alone. And, and you'll, you'll, get, you'll get more out of a King James than you will any other uh, version of the Bible because it hasn't been altered and changed. You know, if you wanted to understand Shakespeare and really understand him, you, know, you might read another book about him. You might uh, read uh, cliff notes about him. But if you really wanted to get down and, and get the meat of uh, Shakespeare, you go right to the original Shakespeare, the original Shakespearean English. Well, don't let the... Um, King James English throw you. Get right to the source and, uh, and get your King James Bible. That's the most important tool for Bible study. If you can't get the other two that I'm going to tell you about, you better at least have your King James Bible. Read it, study it, and learn it. The second most important tool for Bible study is an exhaustive concordance. Now, concordance is a book that catalogs the words of the Bible in alphabetical order, and then it gives you a, the scripture references for where each of these uh, words are found in the Bible. Um, you may have a small concordance in the back of your Bible, and that's a good start. You're going to eventually notice that it doesn't contain every word of the Bible, and it doesn't contain every reference for the words that it does contain. So it may, it won't have all the words, and then uh, it'll have a word, and oftentimes not have every reference for that word. Now, this is a good start, but um, it's also frustrating if you're trying to find a particular verse, and you know it's in the Bible, but your back of the Bible concordance doesn't have it in there. An exhaustive or a complete concordance will contain every word and every reference or very close to it. It will have endeavored to include every word and every reference. And uh, one of the best and my preferred exhaustive concordance is Strong's exhaustive concordance. Now, today you have to make sure that you get one for a, uh, a King James Bible. Used to be that's all there was. Now they, you know, whoever got the publishing rights <coughs> will, will, give, will, will put, publish it with other versions as well. But a strong, exhaustive concordance is a, a very good reference work, and, and I think the easiest and simplest of the concordances. Uh, there's a couple others that you could use, and you might find these beneficial as well. Um, Young's concordance and Cruden's concordance. Someone has said, if you want to, this will help you maybe remember them, but um, uh, you've got Strong's for the strong, Young's for the young, and Cruden's for the crude. <laughs> but those are three concordances uh, that you can get. And then a, a third, and the third most important tool for Bible study is a good English dictionary. A good English dictionary. And uh, any, an English dictionary is a good start. When you don't understand a word in the Bible, uh, don't whine about it, all right? Look it up in a dictionary. And again, a good basic English dictionary should get you off to a good start. If you want an even fuller understanding of many Bible words, uh, invest a little money in getting Webster's 1828 Dictionary. 
And Webster, in his 1828, he cites many biblical references in the work to show you the definitions of many words as they're used in the Bible. And um, don't worry about the Greek and don't worry about the Hebrew. Uh, learn English and you can learn the Bible. Uh, I, I wouldn't waste my my money on, uh, if I want to understand the Bible, I wouldn't waste my money on Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words or Weist Word Studies. Uh, I, I wouldn't waste my time on, on getting a, a Hebrew lexicon or a Greek lexicon. I wouldn't waste my time. Uh, I, I wouldn't waste my money. Uh, I would get me a good King James Bible an exhaustive concordance, and a good English dictionary. And I'm going to tell you, you there listen to me. If you'll take that seriously, you'll be so far ahead of these people that waste their time with Hebrew and Greek uh, that uh, they, they likely will never catch up with you. All right, number four, uh, what to do with the Bible. Number four, uh, memorize it. Memorize it. Now, I'm not talking about from cover to cover, although some probably have endeavored to do that. And, but, but memorize portions of Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hidden mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. You ought to hide God's word in your heart and, and, and use memorization to aid you to do that. Now, it's understood, and I understand it, that having the Bible in your head through memorization is not the same as having it in your heart. But it should also be understood that if a person has the Bible in his heart— having certain portions of it committed to memory is going to help to keep him from sinning against the Lord. And so the Lord admonishes us to hide his word in our heart. Moreover, Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 1, tells us to hide his commandments with us. And it tells us to do that without specifying uh, whether, uh, the, whether we're to hide them in our heart at, at that point. In other words, just hide them with you, not just in your heart, but hide them in your head as well. Memorizing the Scripture is a good thing. It'll help you immensely. And if you get the Bible in your head, spiritual gravity is going to allow it to work its way into your heart just by natural, it's a natural follow-through. You put it in your head, it's going to, it's going to just work its way down into your heart unless you allow the Scriptures to be choked. Uh, Mark 4, verses 18 and 19 says, And these are they which are sown among thorns. This is the sower sowing the word of God. Such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, enter, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. For the word of God to bear fruit, it ought to get inside your heart. And so when a person just gets it in their head, and these other things choke it right off at the neck, it never comes down to the heart. And so he becomes unfruitful. But if, you're, if you'll get your heart right with the Lord and then hide it in your head, it'll work its way down in your heart. You remove these things that would choke at the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in. And you let the Word of God just go to work in your life. I'm going to real quick give you a, a simple way to memorize Scripture. I was taught this way shortly after I was saved. I got saved and wanted to know, well, what, what do I do next? And my pastor gave me good instruction. He encouraged me to memorize Scripture. And he taught me this um, uh, way of memorization, which he had learned. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll modify it just a little bit, but um, uh, he would have me take a three-by-five card and cut it in half. And I found through the years it's just simpler to, to take a three-by-five card. So we're going to do a three-by-five card. Get, a, get you an index card, a three-by-five. Um, and one, get one where it works good if you have one side with lines and one side blank. But uh, I guess you can make it work with either one, even if the whole, both sides are blank. But write the reference on the blank side if you have one with blank, one blank, one with lines. And then write the words of the verse on the side with lines. Now, you're going to have to just work at this. You know, it's, it's not a magic uh, pill that you can take where you're going to just have it memorized by sticking it under your pillow, you know, and laying, laying it under your uh, pillow while you go to sleep at night, and it's going to be in there in the morning. You're going to have to do some work. <laughs> and uh, 
the Bible talks about studying to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, so we that's back with the studying part of it. And that's now we're talking about memorizing it. So I'm saying you're going to have to work with this verse and, and you work with it a bit at a time until you can say it without looking at it. The first verse that I remember memorizing was Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I began to look at the verse and I'd, I'd, I'd take a little bit at a time. So I'd, I'd say, all right, so then faith, so then faith, so then faith. I get that. Cometh by hearing, cometh by hearing. Put it together. So then faith cometh by hearing. So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And I'd work until I could say the verse without looking at it. Once I got it down, then I, I, I was taught, say the reference, say the verse, and say the reference again. And count this as one. So I'd go, Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. I count that as one. The first day I worked on it, once I got it to, to that point where I could say it like that, I would do that a total of 25 times, and I'd mark that down on the side of the index card with the reference. I'd go one, two, one line, two lines, three lines, four lines, and then the slash. And then one, two, three, four, slash. So I'd go 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Each following day, I would decrease that total by five until I got to the place where after I'd said it uh, the day for five times, uh, then I'd say it once a day again for a week. Each time you're saying the verse before or the reference before and the reference after the verse, counting it as one. So effectively, when you're doing this together, you're saying the reference two times in a row. This helps solve the problem. Well, I know I know where that verse I know that verse is in there and I know what it says but I don't know where it is. So you learn the verse what it says and you learn as uh, some people call it the address uh, where you can find it. All right, what to do with the Bible? Uh memorize it. Memorize it. Memorize scriptures. Uh what to do with the Bible? Number 5. Uh overcome temptation with it. We just mentioned and read Psalm 119, verse 11, that word have I hidden in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The Bible has the power to help you to overcome temptation and get victory over sin. When Jesus was tempted, he quoted the Bible. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. The devil tempted him, and Jesus pulled out the scriptures and said, it is written. That's why Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 declares the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. And uh, what you need to do in time of spiritual warfare is you need to take that that uh, Bible, the scriptures, and pull it out of its sheath. And, and here's how Jesus handled it. When he was tempted, he pulled the scriptures, the sword of the Spirit, out of its sheath, and he quoted it out loud. And that's, that's how he showed you to overcome temptation. There are verses that will deal with every temptation that you face. Find those verses. Commit them to memory. And then pull them out and quote them out loud when um, temptation comes. And if you don't have memorized, at least have them someplace where you can uh, turn to it in the Bible, have a Bible with you, turn to it, and then uh, then quote it. You know, that it said of that king back in Deuteronomy 17 that he was to have that Bible with him. He was to have it with him. And you want to have the Bible with you. Uh, one, one pastor that I know used to say it like this, have Bible, will travel. Uh, kind of modifying another statement uh, that somebody made in years gone by, but that'll work, amen? So in times of spiritual warfare, pull out the Bible and quote it out loud. Turn to the verse if you have to. There's something about quoting it out loud. It, it just it just charges the spiritual atmosphere and dispels the dark and unclean spirits. It's kind of like lightning um, purifying the air 
in a thunderstorm. You ever go out after the storm's over and you can just feel a freshness in the air after that lightning is just like a big gigantic electrostatic filter just charged there. And that's what the Bible does with the spiritual atmosphere. So uh, you can overcome temptation with the scriptures. Just don't take the this, this sword of the Spirit and leave it uh, encased in its sheath. Pull it out and utilize it and get the victory. Let me say quickly, number six, what to do with the Bible? Meditate in it. Meditate in it. What's that? That's to think about it, to think deeply about it, to ponder it. Psalm 1, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know, memorizing helps you to meditate in the Bible. Reading the Bible helps you to meditate in it. Um, talking about memorizing, some, many a Christian has memorized Psalm 1. It's only six verses, and it flows very nicely and simply. It's a, I recommend you doing it. But here God promises to bless you if you meditate in his word. He says that the man is blessed who meditates in his law day and night. Again, that's to think about it. The fact that God says he'll bless you if you meditate in it, that to me that's reason enough to do it. I'd like to get all the blessings that God is willing to give me. Uh, so to meditate in that Bible, you think about it, you go over it in your mind, you chew on it. The Bible says, the ear trieth words as a mouth tasteth meat. So as you hear the words of God in your ear, you chew on them a little bit. As a mouth tasteth meat, chew on that stuff and, and go over it again in your mind. Turn it over. Some of the best Bible studies I've had have actually been from scriptures that I had running around in my mind because I was at a place where I didn't have an open Bible. Uh, I was working mowing a lawn or, or doing dishes back when I was a dishwasher. And I'd go over the scriptures in my mind that I had read and that I had studied and that I had memorized. And, and I'd meditate in some of those scriptures. And I'd put together uh, sermons in my mind or, or, or just turn over spiritual truth and, and let the Lord show me things. Uh, Bible memorization, Bible meditation, talking about the, the Lord blessing you for meditating in it. Let me point out... Um, a couple other verses, uh, three of them in a row. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Let me ask you, do you think about the Bible regularly? When you, when you get up in the morning, is the, the Bible on your mind? When you go to bed at night, is the Bible on your mind? When you lay, lay there in bed at night, don't, don't let your mind wander off into sinful things. Meditate on the scriptures. And during the course of the day, do you just, do you just find yourself, uh, without even realizing what's happening, find yourself thinking about the Scriptures? I'm going to tell you, it'll happen if you'll just get saturated with the Word of God. Oh, how love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. Uh, his commandments are ever with him, just like his enemies are ever with him. But, but the commandments are with him because he's meditating on them. I have more understanding than all my teachers— for thy testimonies are my meditation. Meditate on it. It will benefit you. And then uh, let me say uh, finally tonight, um, a seventh thing you can do with the scriptures, and that is this. Uh, display the Bible in your house. Display it in your house. I don't mean just the book. I mean scriptures. In the Old Testament, God instructed his people to write his words upon the doorposts of their houses and upon their gates. He said it in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 21. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. Uh, that is something to aim for, like a sight between your eyes, something to give you direction. And ye shall teach uh, them 
the, the word of God. You shall teach them your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Hey, would you like to have a little bit of heaven on earth? Make the Bible a, a vital part of your life. Uh, this principle, I think, of putting the Word of God uh, in your house, on your property, where it's visible at your house, is something we can learn from. And so I think and I recommend that it's a good idea to have Bible verses, Bible verses or Bible passages displayed in your house. Um, you can buy them. You can get them to, um, you, you, can, you can print them on a, a computer. You can write them down yourself. And I've done all of the above. And uh, the Bible put, being put up in your house, it'll serve as a constant reminder to you of the Lord and of his words, as well as being a testimony to everybody that comes into your house. Proverbs chapter 4 Verses 20 and 21 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. And I, I think keeping the Bible up where you can see it, verses up, displaying the word of God where you can see it, this helps you to keep them from departing from your eyes. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Meditating on the scriptures help you to keep it in your heart. And uh, so, folks, look, the Bible's not just something to talk about. It's something to make use of in your life every day. The Bible contains, as the songwriter said, the wonderful words of life. And would you have life? Would you have it more abundantly? Then abide in God's Word and let His Word abide in you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Strobel. It's a, it's a practical and... and uh and just a helpful um, episode tonight, and, uh, right. and I think it comes at a good time too with the uh, with the new year. There's nothing. There's nothing stopping us from from starting out and saying, you know what, I'm going to dedicate this year to at least reading it through once. Amen. And uh, I think if we're honest, uh, each one of us, um, you know, we we waste a lot of time, you know, day after day, and. And if we uh, were serious about uh, our walk and our faith and and um, wanting to get closer to God, that certainly is the way to do it. Amen. Matthew. Yeah, it was good. I mean, there, there's nothing better than getting the Word of God. I remember uh, when I first got saved, I remember carrying the Bible in my hands. Uh, Dad, you had bought me uh, a Bible and sent it to me. But uh, I remember when uh, I first got saved, I bought a Bible from... Uh, Barnes and Noble is just a, you know, just one of those, I think it was like a $10 Bible. And I remember holding it in my hands and I, uh, you know, I would listen to some preaching and I would never know where the verses are, but I tell people, I say, no, that's wrong. You know, this is what the Bible says. And they say, well, show me where it is. And, uh, it would always really frustrate me that I could never find out where it was. And, uh, what Pastor Strobel said is just get in that Bible. It's true. Uh, once you get in that, once you get in this book, it's it's amazing, and and you'll you'll not even imagine how many times the Lord just brings the verse back to you and says, "Go here," and and you know that I can find the verse and show that person the verse. But I think one of the big things that helped me was reading the Bible from beginning to end, like Pastor Strobel said, at least once a year. And uh, once you do that, you just see how amazing the Bible uh, fits together perfectly, like a glove. And uh, mm. once you do that, too, uh, one really amazing thing that's helped me, like Pastor Strobel said, is to, to, uh, to study the scriptures, 
But not only that, but to also memorize them. And uh, that's helped me out probably the most is to uh, to memorize the scriptures. Because when you're dealing with somebody, um, you're a lot of times you don't have time to open up the Bible, find the verse, um, or you try and open up the Bible and they say, no, no, I don't want, I don't want to hear anything from in there. And then I just say, well, here, this is what the Bible says in John chapter three, verse 16. And you can quote it right then and there. And, uh, usually they hardly ever stop me if I, if I just start quoting it, uh, cause they want to hear what you have to say, not what the Bible has to say, but you're really giving them the Bible. And, uh, so, so it's, it's a good study. It, I was thinking about one, one other thing too, that I was thinking about is, uh, what to do with the Bible is, uh, to pray over it. And what I mean by that is it's the Holy Spirit that's going to teach you the Bible. Um, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, verse 12, the Bible says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, but they are, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Uh, so that's one thing that uh, that's really helped me out a lot, too. And I've found it um, just even the past year and a half. I was getting down uh, because, you know, I'd hear all these great preachers, um, you know, start preaching sermons and things. And they say, you know, the best way to get a sermon is to just start reading your Bible. And uh, and the Lord will just give you, you know, these three-point outlines and, and things like that. And it would never come to me. And I'd be like, oh, it's so frustrating. But when I started praying to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, before I started reading my Bible, I'd say, Lord, will you show me uh, just something out of here? I don't care if it's a three-point outline. I just want something uh, Lord, that, that you would show me that you'd want me to have. And uh, every time I do that now, uh, he just shows me something in there that, uh, like Pastor Strobel says, you might read it three, four times, 50 times, whatever, that one passage. And sometimes just because the Lord has put so much in this Bible, uh, it'll come right out and the Lord will give it to you. And that's the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, look at this. <laughs> you know, you've you've gone through it so many times, but here, I'm going to show you something that you've never seen before. And uh, that's what prayer will do, asking the Lord uh, to show you exactly what he wants you to see at that certain amount of time. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Amen. Stroh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was just going to add to that, if I could. Um, I learned early on to pray, as as Matthew said, I was uh, some publication I read about studying the Bible and, and encouraged uh, to to pray and ask the Lord to, to, like the psalmist said, Psalm 119, verse 18, <laughs> open thou mine eyes. Yeah. Is that where you're going to go, Eric? That's exactly where I was going to go. <laughs> okay. And I, and I was going to mention that I'd heard that from you when many years oh, ago you had you had mentioned that and and uh, Psalm one nineteen eighteen open thou my eyes then may behold wonders things out of thy law, Very and good. Uh, and I've 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 done that since. Man, amen. Well, the the one Bible reading checklist that we uh, have the we'll have on the website the the kind of the black and white one. We'll have that verse on there. Actually, it'll it'll say that, um, and it's kind of the prayer of the psalmist. And you can, it's a prayer you can pray. You Amen. know, that's what the psalms are. Amen. And among other things, there's a lot of prayers in there, and that's certainly a prayer and something you can make your very own, asking God to open your eyes and just show you and teach you. Yeah, Amen. And I think sometimes that folks, you know, think of the Bible and and. Uh, maybe new Christians or, or or maybe if you're not saved and you 
And you think about the Bible and you think, oh, that's going to be boring. That's going to be dry and be dusty. And well, if, if you, once you get saved and the Holy Spirit does start to reveal things to you and you start to, to take a look at that book and read that book and study the book, you, you'll just be amazed. You'll just be, I still am <laughs> floored. Yeah. We, we were talking a little bit about tonight. I was uh, talking about a, um, some things that uh, a certain commentator had uh, shown and talked about in the book of Genesis. And, the, and I was saying, I don't know how many times I've read through that and look at all these other layers here that I've missed. And yeah. it's just, and it's exciting. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not uh, dry and dusty. It's a, it's an exciting, it's a, it truly is a living book. And, and uh, I think that if you start to experience that, it'll, 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 change your attitude towards reading that that book that bible and and uh it'll change your life man amen well you know i'm sorry go ahead man you know one of the one of the things that i get from a lot of people is especially at work is they're like wow that's that's some light reading huh you know and they're (laughs) they're making fun of it they're like because they they think that yeah they think it's this old religious book that you know it's all dusty (laughs) and it's just you know just so many do's and don'ts and it's just old english that you can't read and understand and and i'm just like you know every time they come up to me and say something like that i'm like oh it's 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 definitely light it's 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 amazing and uh you know i'd like to add <laughs> too kind of light <laughs> yeah i mean there there's one thing that's helped me out a lot and i know a lot of people can't do this maybe at their job their workplace or whatever but uh, the lord's blessed me with a a certain type of a job where sometimes i have some downtime you know when there's not a patient to do an X-ray on, um, I'm, I'm able to uh, kind of sit back and uh, be able to either read or study a little bit. And what I've done uh, since I've been saved is I I have a whole thing of uh, note cards, uh, like Pastor Strobel said, um, and it does have the lines in the back and then also in the front. I put on the blank side, I put the uh, the scripture verse, so say John 3:16 on the front. And then on the back with the lines, I put verse 16, and then I write out the verse. And so I have all these scriptures, and uh, sometimes I put them in my scrubs that I have right in the pocket, um, uh, right on my, my shirt pocket there. And uh, while I go sit down for a minute waiting for another patient to come back to take their x-ray, I take that out and I start studying it right at the desk. And uh, a lot of times, uh, especially when I started, started this new job four years ago, um, you know, we would sit down and start reading it and uh, people would be like, well, what are you studying? You know, and that's a perfect opportunity then to be able to witness to them. And I have that happen all the time when new employees start coming, uh, they get hired, uh, they start working with me. And a lot of times you might find it's hard to open up conversation, um, maybe about the Bible and, and about the Lord, uh, cause you're worried about getting fired, of course. But, uh, but when I take that scripture out and I start reading it, they're like, they automatically assume that you're studying something cause you have a note card like that. You know, maybe if you just have a piece of paper, they don't really take much mind to it. But when you have a scripture, when, when you have a note card like that, they know you're studying something and they want to know what it is. And uh, so it, it's an opportunity to say, well, I'm actually studying, you know, scripture, you know, because I got saved six years ago. And, and you know, you can start going in like that and, and tell them, well, this is what the scripture is, you know, and and start witnessing to them. And that, for me, has helped me out the most. And uh, like I said, I don't know if everybody can do that in the workplace, of course, but even if you're just going and maybe going to the mall and you're going to sit down for a minute waiting for your wife while she while she goes shopping for five hours, you can sit <laughs> down. <laughs> well, my wife doesn't do that, by the way, but... But you can sit down and <laughs> you can sit down it's at the bed. 
<laughs> you can sit down on a bench and you can take out those note cards and you can start studying them. And I bet you somebody sitting next to you or something like that will just say, hey, well, you know, what are you studying? Or, or you know, you can open up a conversation like that, like, hey, look at this uh, scripture that I just uh, that I just learned, you know, and, and do that kind of stuff. But that's been a blessing for me. Amen. And, uh, and as you read that and as you start to really get saturated with the book, You'll you'll be amazed at the things that uh, from the Bible that will come come to your mind as as you hear about current events or as you go through your day and you, and you see certain signs or you hear conversations and and um, different passages and different things that that book will speak to you too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it seems like people even when even though they think they're not getting anything out of it, they're really retaining a lot more than they realize. Mm-hmm. You just got to keep with it. Amen. And it's amazing, too, when you do your uh, Bible reading every day, how the Lord gives you a lot of times exactly what you need for that very one day. <laughs> and you get that a lot with Proverbs. But I remember uh, just a couple of weeks ago, a good friend of mine, uh, he lost his job. He got laid off. And uh, I gave him um, a good verse in Second Chronicles about, uh, I can't remember the exact passage now, but it's talking about where uh, he says, uh, don't fear for they have the arm of flesh, but we have God. And, uh, you know, when God's on our side, who's going to, who's going to, you know, make us worry. And, uh, so I gave him those passages out of second Chronicles and I just, uh, you know, lift him up a little bit. And that night he had a preach, um, uh, for the youth group at church. And, uh, he used that passage, uh, for, for that, uh, for that, uh, preaching right then and there. (laughs) And, uh, he said, you know, you might not have thought it was that big of a deal, but the Lord wanted me to have that, to be able to preach to them that night. And uh, so it's, you know, it's just amazing how just so many times the Lord gives you the, what you need exactly for that day. And that's why it's so important to read every single day, um, because the Lord, the Lord knows what you need. Amen. 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 Well, thanks again, Pastor Strober, for the lesson tonight for the episode. And Steve, we'll be hearing from you soon. I know that you'll be back. He, Steve actually emailed me and... and uh, said that uh, praise God another brand plucked from the burning Frank's girlfriend <laughs> received Christ tonight sorry hey, I missed man. the podcast so that's great and we'll hear a first hand report from Steve when, when he returns and speaking of the Bible I, I know we mentioned this a while back and we haven't we, have, we didn't talk about it today before the show started but I have a brand new goat skin uh, King James Bible uh, published by Tyndale in a, in a nice slip case that uh, we're going to be giving away here on that's in the Bible. Amen. So, are, are we eligible to win it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Why don't we get a chance here? No, no, you, we are automatically not eligible to win it. But uh, stay tuned for that, and we'll we'll talk about how that uh, how you can possibly uh, get a chance to to have that Bible sent to you. Praise the Lord. All right. So thanks again, Pastor Strobel, Matt. As always, good uh, chatting with you, Steve. We'll be talking to you next time, Lord willing, and we'll see you all real soon. Amen. Goodbye. Homeward we then will fly. Glory to share. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or night or noon. Many will, Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will Trumpets sound. Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise.
This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.